Welcome to Life in the Music Business, a masterclass with Professor Pooch and your host, Bass Face. I think something that we could talk about today that would be really cool, actually, how to get, um, it's something along the lines of how to get your music placed or how to place songs or artists or how to build those connections so that you can do all those things. And Well, the weird part is... This is going to sound like a cop-out, but it's the truth. The truth of the matter is, you, no matter what you do, you got to do it yourself nowadays. you got to put the stuff out there. If you're not an artist, find somebody who is, you know, and get this stuff out and push it like that. Because you got to get the product done, first of all, no matter what, anyway. But to get heard is just get people talking about it. You just never know who's going to hear it. Do you know how many songs that somebody heard on on SoundCloud and stuff? Just listening to different people's pages, they go around listening to this stuff. You got to get it up there, of course. Yeah. But the idea that as many places you could put it, you just never know. Yeah. And um, I, I mean, I've been finding some interesting things out too lately. Is that I'm running into artists as clients, and their music is different. And what I mean different, it's, no, some of it's like, you could picture the 40s or 50s, like in a country town, or this or that. That kind of songs are good too. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, they come in handy. Now this guy, I mean, he's been around for a while, and he's, he plays all over the place. He's got a great stick, well, I'll tell you. You know, shtick is that what is old time turns for uh, the way they do entertainment, the, who they are, how they stand out. He goes around with this pop pop up tent, like trailer, not a tent, a trailer, but it's like a tent on the trailer. And he shows up places and just starts performing and does all kinds of things like that. And it's just like him. And uh, he's, by the way, he's the guy we were talking about. Uh, one of the last shows where what he does is uh, he does a whole album and it's all featured artists are doing either the, an instrument with him or they're doing vocals with him or they're doing vocals, he's doing vocals and every song's with a different person who he happens to know that fits a certain kinds of thing. I, you know, it, it's things like that. And by the way, a lot of people don't think about this, is that when you, you know, like a lot of people want to write themselves and stuff, write their own songs and stuff. And this this happens a lot uh, where, you know, I like, I personally like to write myself, by myself, but I also love to co-write because when you co-write, you get all different kinds of, you know, that person might know a lot of people. Yeah. Things like that. And another thing, reason I like to, from the musical side, why I like to co-write is because they, um, I might be one style, they might be another style, and the two together could be a totally different fusion. Mm. And we're already into the show, so take it away, bass face. <laughs> Hey, how's it going, guys? Welcome back to Life in the Music Business with Professor Pooch. Pooch, how are you hanging on the other line here? 
I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We already started talking. That happens to us. We're, you know, things like that. We're, you're, we're talking, we're in the music business. Everything that we do is we live life in the music business. So it's always like we inadvertently start the show without even trying to start the show. It just like happens. Yeah, it happens. Actually, it happens all the time that we're, we actually start talking about the music business and things we're running into, different situations. And that's life in the music business more than going on a particular topic. Then what we were starting to talk about, um, well, it, if you want to address it, but it's like uh, people, you know, how to get the songs out there and in different places and uh, where we had started leaning on uh, before the intro here is, you know, for TV, film and things like that. And if the music isn't set for it, you got a problem in just placing it. Uh, you know what I should do? Let me state the three things that are very important to a music supervisor listening for a song, for a TV, film, stuff like, you know, video games or whatever. Oh, and besides, always remember, do a vocal if it's a vocal song. And make sure when you're at that final mix to also do a uh, instrumental version without the lead vocal. I mean, right then and there, the engineer's not going to mind giving you a copy of that. Now, if you ask them three weeks later to come back and switch everything around, well, they might charge you something for that. But just remember, every time you do one with a, with a vocal, do one without. And actually, there are some engineers, uh, by the way, Mike does this, uh, he'll do 16 or 20 different types of mixes nowadays. There's the television mix, there's a single mix, there's the video mix, there's, there's a, a film that, to be this for that or whatever they need, you know? Yeah. And it's funny, usually they do at least five or six different mixes for any kind of situation. Yeah, it's crazy because every single platform has a different way that it could be perceived by the audience. Like, obviously on TV and film, you want the vocal to be up front and you, in, uh, if somebody's yes. performing, you want the, the main vocal to be, to be super low. If you want the radio mix, you make sure it's like, you know what I mean? It's, everything has a certain place and that's, that's why they do that. By the way, what, one thing to remind, I still didn't answer that thing I was going to say, but one thing to keep in mind, they want songs to stop dead. Don't fade them out. That's what they used to do in the old days. It sounds mm -hmm. funny in the old days. But originally, they would just fade it and get quieter and quieter and quieter, which, of course, you can't do on stage anyway. But the music supervisors like it to stop dead. Now, what else do they want? They want to know, and this if you do a, a music page for people like this, this is what they want. They want the whole hook, the whole hook, whatever the hook is, it could be a sentence or it could be a paragraph. They want the genre of the song, but not just the genre it actually is in, but what genre could it be in? Because remember, well, remember, I'm telling you, the a great song can be arranged in almost any style. Uh, country can always be R&B, and R&B can always be country. Mm -hmm. You know, it's roots, the same roots. They come from the same places, whether they came from the city or the country, that's all. But, but it's, <laughs> I'm kidding. 
but but the idea is that but they want to know that genre Mm. the whole hook by the way what i do i put the whole damn lyrics and i've seen other people do that on their youtube they put all the lyrics even prose a lot of prose in the description box under your under your screen of the picture of the video on youtube like stations and networks platforms uh in the description box they'll say uh, and they're starting to list the writers i'm very happy about that i personally when i put music up i list everybody and by the way that can help you and i'll get into that remind me you know list the I list the producer, the engineer, the mix engineer, if it's a separate one, the master engineer, if it's a separate one. Uh, you know, every musician, I list every background singer. I list the writer. Of course, what you'll see under most music things, you'll see the list of who the publishing company or companies are and the record label and things like that, the actual legal stuff and stuff. But uh, that's, I believe in that heavily. Now, it was reminded, what I wanted you to remind me, I remembered, uh, is that if they, it really helps sometimes, if you sometimes pay a little extra and get somebody else, I guess I've got a little off topic, but it's not. It's great when you can say a, a mix engineer that's got a bunch of awards and the person that uh, maybe did the track or producer has had a lot of hits. I mean, that always helps to list. So you want to list any name you can help you because these are people that would tell me, say, oh, it must be good. I'll at least give it a listen, you know. These things are helpful and it's cost, like one of my artists, it's cost them a little money to get the extra stuff done and the big, you know, tracks can get very expensive when it's a well-known tracks producer. Yeah, and it, it's, but, I've actually seen a lot of people do that where they use somebody's, um, like their credibility to be able to push the record even more because it's like, oh, well, they went to this guy to mix it. So we know that the mix is going to be there. We don't have to critique that. We can actually listen to the song. Yep. And you know, uh, one of our friends, uh, well, I could name him because he's well known and stuff. It's not uh, whatever. But is Mike Tarsha, uh, he was from the Sigma Sound, the Philly, the Sound of Philadelphia that was very big through all the years and stuff. His brother Joe. Joe Tarsia started the whole Sigma Sound recording studio stuff, but it was tied with the Gamble and Huff stable and the whole sound of Philadelphia. And along the way, Mike had gotten like, what, 25, 30 platinum, gold platinum, you know, as a mix engineer, or as a, this, is that, or whatever. But that helps when somebody sees, oh, they're willing to go the extra mile. Mm. Now, folks, which brings up a, an important topic, and that is, let's say you want one of these type people, but you can't afford them. Well, there's several ways to go around this. And I've seen it where people will exchange services. Even top people need help in certain areas. I remember Mike needed some stuff carried out of his basement. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I said, boy, this stuff's good. I really want to do it, but I got to get you know, how am I going to work? Oh, wait, I got all this shit down in the basement. I need cleared out and help me to paint this. And hey, everybody needs those kinds yeah, of services. Yeah, exactly. So you're able to barter and, and actually yeah. get that, you know what I mean? Get a, get, a, get a better price. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, and uh, sometimes if somebody really believes in you, studios, I've seen studios do this a lot through the years. If they really believe in you and they have some empty time. Now, studios don't want to have empty time. That's the worst thing in the world. So if somebody, if they don't have paying customer, well, you should do something with that extra time. And if you really believe in an artist, you just make a pact with them, contract, pact with them that, okay, we're, well, you can state, first of all, we're the record company till you pay us off. Or they might do a thing as, we know you're good, we know you're going to be picked up, or we'll help you get picked up and stuff, and you've got to promise to do the next album with us. And also, oh God, this is so important for all engineers. They don't do this. Every single person who is an engineer in their house, in a studio, whatever, key, this is so important. Keep a track, a list of how many hours you spend on a particular song. Mm. Not on a particular artist, because it might be multiple songs, not on a project, each song. It is so important because that's a master, folks. And it could be worth a lot of money. And you can, as the engineer, I've seen this all the time. Well, we spent, you know, the major ones to buy this track for some reason or whatever. All right, you're going to pay for this track. And this track took me seven hours and one for the vocal and then this, this, and a final mix. Oh, a total of 12 hours at the rate of you know, whatever amount hour you would have charged. Yes. And when it goes to a label, you definitely want to be charging more because they will pay. That's right. That's a little secret that happens uh, all the time. What a major, they automatically, the price goes up. <laughs> mm -hmm. It wasn't 65 an hour at that point. It was 125 or 150 or more per hour. Yeah. You know, exactly. Just, but I keep telling this. I, I can't, how many times people vote in studios that I've done there, like the contract work or whatever, and they're not keeping track by the song. And by the way, if you do a remix of it or something else, count those hours, but keep it separate list, a remix to this. You can put the two together if it's one off the other, you know, whatever. But it's really important. Keep those tracks. Everything is worth money. Yeah. Um, Oh, so to go back, I want to see what I, I missed covering because you know how I go off. Well, it's life in the music business. These are, we don't live topics. We live situations we run into, okay. you know. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> it's real life, folks. You, you don't live by, okay, I'll have an artist development moment. <laughs> you know, it doesn't work that way. Nope. <laughs> you know. You know, yeah, you're doing that, but you're taking it in consideration these different things, the human aspect of the person, you're, you know, whatever, you know. Yeah, it's all situation-based. I mean, you can never say anything's for certain. That's why the the some of the curse words are standard. Uh, like when you hear a standard contract, there's no such thing because every situation is different. Everybody's different. And there's no two, there's no, there's most of the time, no two situations are the same, exactly the same. 
I have in my basement someplace, I'm not sure where <laughs> anymore, because my basement is, you know, my place, it's just mm -hmm. littered with stuff. My wife's a pat brat. It's well-known, folks, okay? She collects everything, okay. So I have actually 65 different songwriter to publisher contracts that all say the name standard contract. They'll say standard songwriters, wow. and they're total—they're all different. Of course, they have something similar. This, it's what's called boilerplate. There's certain pieces of legal stuff that's in every single one, like the state you're in, and that this is the entire agreement. So the other stuff doesn't count. There's certain things in every contract that has to be there to be legal. So um, the point is, yeah, you—you you bring up a very good point. Is that the word standard? It, what it might be is it might be that particular person or company's standard contract, mm -hmm. you know, or it's just a template. It's got to be fit to you and your situations. I've written, oh, this is another important part about being an engineer in a studio. You're opening up a studio. Let's say it's in your house. Even if it's in your house, you should have a contract, just a piece of paper for them to sign. Basically, that they're not going to destroy your house. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. I mean, I've written from, from one page or two pages, but some situations, because of where they are, like on estates, estates, I'm putting it right, on estates stuff, I've written up to seven or eight pages for a client because about the alarm systems and this, and uh, don't bring food and put it on the board. The worst I've ever seen is Coke, you know, Coca-Cola and uh, any kind of cola, it's sticky. And uh, hoagie oil, <laughs> Philadelphia, there's hoagie oil, folks. <laughs> oh yeah, lots of it too, especially yeah. if you go really, really in the city. Oh yeah, and the point is that, oh, Somebody had Rick James's board, a friend of mine bought Rick James is an old top musician from the, I guess it's the 80s, 70s, 80s. And he's got his board and he's out in California, he bought his board. They had to take it a, totally apart because all the stickiness from all, every little button and every little bit. Oh my God. This probably was a pain, honestly. Yeah, but seriously, folks, do you want... Oh boy, does this bring up a subject? This is, but it's important. Uh, do you want people roaming all over your apartment or home? <laughs> what about if five people come in and two are in the studio and three are just roaming around, man? You, you're nuts. You want to, you know, whoever the person is, there should be at least one person who takes responsibility. And it's just super important. Uh, oh my God. First of all, you should limit how many people are coming to your session with you. This is not a time to uh, party. This is a time to get stuff done that's very important to your career. Especially now during quarantine too. I mean, I used to have sessions that would show up with like, 15 people and it would, it would, it would be a huge party. They'd be getting, get a party, done, but yeah. they would get some stuff done, but it would be a ginormous party. But at the end of the day now, because of quarantine and COVID and all this stuff, you have to even be more uh, careful than we've ever been before in the history of, of mankind. <laughs> and you're putting it right.
Yeah, you, oh yeah, you're back in Philly. I just yep. realized I don't see the New York skyline. <laughs> yep, exactly. It was kind of cool looking though with the doing the show during the day one time when you saw it getting darker and darker. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Right? This ain't a picture, folks. That's out the window is what you're saying. But yeah. Um, but seriously, if you're opening a studio, have a piece of paper that somebody at least will take it seriously. You don't want any food around things. If let's say, what about if somebody breaks any of your equipment? What about, you know, use your imagination, your creative people. That's why you're in this business. Use your imagination. And how could they screw up your place? There's many different ways, especially when certain things are involved. I mean, drinks and alcohol and ash and... Well, hey, I had one place uh, it, they wanted specifically no guns. <laughs> yeah. No yeah. alcohol, no guns, you know, in the studio, no weed or other drugs in the studio. If you're in your plaster, we're kicking you out. I mean, you know... Yeah, yeah, it's the your gun. reputation. It's your place. You can get in trouble. It's your place. Yeah, exactly. You have to treat it professional. It's not just a place to hang out. And I see a lot of studios that are like that. It's kind of just like a hangout spot. Do this. Like in my studio, people aren't allowed to smoke, and that's kind of frowned upon when you're working with the higher level clients. But it's it's. I don't like my equipment getting messed up. You know what I mean? I don't want the smoke to be clogging up in it uh, over time, and me have to go back and clean it because everybody's smoking in here or the smell of just smoke on your on your clothes at all times. I mean, after a while, it, it's just. Well, what I also do uh, in my place, it's on this side here. You can't see it. I have a negative ion generator. It's built into a, it's a, it's a combination air filter, a negative ion generator. It, what it does, it makes all the ions in the room. It's, I'm not going to explain it because I don't understand totally but all the negative particles in the room which are bad for you like odor germs bacteria all that stuff it makes them stick together and by weight they fall down mm. now what I have is a reason I like it the negative ion generator they got in a lot of clubs you'll see these weird things in the air but and they make clickety noises sometimes you got to turn it off you know when you're doing any heavy work, because you get that way. But it, what it does is it, it can kill any smells, germs, bacteria, if it's a good one. But what you want is a positive collector, negative ion generator that has a positive collector. Otherwise, you better put, <laughs> oh, I learned this lesson. Uh, it's great, but if whatever it's sitting on, you better put a piece of paper underneath, because it will become black. Oh. All the dust and dirt and everything it's making fall down. That's how I know that that thing works, you know. But uh, yeah, uh, with smoking and stuff, that's why if people really want to smoke in my place, you know, fine. I just turn up the generator up higher. That's so I can do that with the with the kind I have. But let's go back. But yeah, you, you know, it's whatever's important to you. If it's cigarettes with you, you have that right to state that. You know, uh, there's a lot of studios because, you know, I've been guilty of smoking, you know, and I, what I do is I go outside. Exactly. That's all. Yeah, so I direct a lot of my people to do. And I find it's just the, it's just the easiest thing, you know, because then there's less 
less stuff getting in the way in the studio and less mess to clean and all that type of stuff. Well, and also if you think about it, if you have five or six people smoking at once, God, man, my eyes would die. I mean, I was a smoker at the same point when I went into, they used to have trains, they have the smoking car, the, you know, the non-smoking car. I always went in the non-smoking car because I, my eyes would go after a while. Your eyes start tearing and stuff like that. But with anything, even, you know, too much weed or whatever like that. And by the way, folks, uh, here's a thing to think about. I have nothing against people smoking weed, you know, as long as they don't abuse it. But the thing about smoking weed is, well, there's a bunch of things. But what it, in regards to your doing your music, it does tire your ears out quicker. You will notice your, your ears will work harder in a way. It sounds funny, but it, it just, it tires you quicker, you know, yeah. like that. And stuff. Yeah, it will. And it will also change your perception on many things. So a lot of people yeah. say that it's not, it doesn't change anything that you do and they're able to live their normal life. But you'll see that if you go from smoking all day, every day to being completely sober, in a couple of weeks, you'll realize how, how different you can actually be over time. And the way I, the, I mean, it, uh, it's happened to me before I stopped for a while, but um, it's because like when you, when you need your brain is supposed to just operate the way it is, you know? And then when you put these external stimulants in it, uh, like say the pot, for instance, then you, you need to, you need to re be able to recover from that. But if you smoke day after day, after day, after day, it's almost like, you you never gave your body the, the break that it needed from that type of stuff and it almost changes you in a way yeah if you get to the point where you rely on it i mean people that start the day smoking and smoke all day long at night it's really not good actually it's just too much on your body you know uh i i've been known the joke with me was always i was a cheap pie i would take one puff and i'd be fine for hours and if people were smoking in the room, I didn't even have to take a puff. It's just I have this high metabolism. I'm lucky, I guess. You know, they go, oh, you're, you're a cheap pie, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> things like that. But, uh, hey, you know, oh, it's so funny. You know, when I used to teach at the Art Institute, they say, oh, pooch, man, you do drugs. You do drugs, don't you? And I say, I'm from the 60s. Next question. <laughs> you know, yeah, I smoke. But. I, I'm not concerned about weed with people, but I am concerned about addictive drugs and abuse of addictive drugs. Because the reason I will never do addictive drugs is I don't want anything controlling me. I need to be in control. It's why I don't like flying on airplanes. I want to get out when I want to get out. You can't do it from 30,000 feet, you know? <laughs> I prefer <Try>. driving. <laughs> Yeah, you can definitely try, but you won't be successful, that's for sure, unless you <laughs> type of special training or something along those lines. Hey, you got a spare parachute. <laughs> yeah, right? Get one of those squirrel suits and be flying through the air like a bird. Oh, boy, that might be fun at some time. I'll put that on my bucket list or God whatever. God bless. I would never do that. I No, no, I wouldn't either. I have no intention to. But, yeah, folks, so important. If you're opening a studio, that's something to keep in mind. And you notice I said, well, you could maybe if they have extra hours, if you're, you're the artist and they have extra hours and stuff like that, and uh, they're willing to take you in, 
I mean, that's a great thing. And this is what I put to all studios. And I've, I've said it to you, I'm sure, Bass Bass. Uh, you can't just be a studio alone unless you know you're packed with the top clients paying ridiculous prices, okay? If you're just, you can't rely on it. You got to get into publishing. You got to get into being an indie label. Look, I'm doing you for, for quote unquote free, but I own it. It's, you're going to be signed to my label. And, you know, from here on, uh, you know, we'll deal with it from there, okay? Through the contract, of course, and stuff like that. But you need to have, back to that, you'll hear me say often, everybody needs multiple streams of income. Mm -hmm. That's what I call it now. It, it, the real term is multiple sources of income, MSI. Yeah. Learn, those, learn that acronym. Super, 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 super important, especially in this industry. Um, being a producer, engineer, you won't make money quickly you know what i mean and it's 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 one of those things that it's a it's a it's a marathon not a sprint where you have to you have to build up build your brand to the point where people can they, they know what they to expect from you and they know that that you have the special sauce per se and otherwise you're just going to be i totally lost my thought but um what was i talking yeah, about yeah but yeah you're you're right on i mean you got to have these multiple things by the way the way to solve a lot of this uh, go to professorpooch.com in the top right hand corner. I think this is your right. <laughs> I always have to remember, I always screw it up because it's backwards looking at the screen. Uh, go to your right in the free library. There's a, there's a, there's an article I wrote in text and audio about, you know, surviving, I forgot the exact title, but surviving as a recording studio in the 21st century. And it brings up these different topics. And boy, we're all over the place and it's good, but we'll tie everything into yeah. it too because this is all very important. It's, yeah. it's just the way it is. We started talking, believe it or not, the original subject was like placing songs and mm -hmm. you know, things like that. But these are important things to do is to know all that you're going to be dealing with everybody. You're the artist. You're going to be dealing with an engineer at some point in time, it, you know? Uh, if you're a manager, you're going to be dealing with an artist. If you're, you know, a manager's mm -hmm. going to have, might have to deal with the studio and something. Yeah, and the reason multiple sources of income is because, <clears throat> like I said, you 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 won't make money quickly in this game. But if you have multiple streams of income, while like say one part of your business or one stream is not doing as well, you have five more that are doing better, and you're be, you're you're never searching for money. You're not like you're not relying on one platform to to pay everything. When you have multiple streams coming in that's when you allow yourself the time freedom to do what you want to do and that's the beauty of the msi the multiple streams oh yeah it's just like super important to stay alive you know i mean i know that every month even if i don't promote it i have my seven books are on amazon and i get this not always a lot of money because i don't promote it but i get money from the kindle sales and this sales and it eventually all adds up. You know, you get money from this. Right We're going to go into it probably will be in the next show because we don't have enough time to cover it. I call the topic meanwhile. In other words, on your way to the top of where your end goal is, you got to earn a living and you want to do it 
in the music industry and, and not work someplace else. But there are ways to, a lot of ways to make money if you're into music. But let's go back, placing songs and stuff. Now, one of the things you, you brought up uh, about the voice hire, yes, in a TV and film, you, you, if you listen to any of the shows, you can hear the lyrics and understand them. And we went into, I think, some of this on a previous show, I don't remember, they all run together. We have, at this point of this show, we have 28 shows already up, okay? It's a nice number. But they definitely need the vocals understandable. I mean, I ran into this client, her voice sounds amazing, but either she used the wrong microphone or it's the wrong reverb. They didn't EQ the reverb, whatever. I couldn't understand the words. And you can't fit it to a script if you're a TV, you know. The music supervisor's got to fit your song to a script. I'd say they have to hear the words, you know. Uh, the biggest problem is, and I probably mentioned it before, but like I warn people, we're going to repeat something, but they're important things. And that is one of the biggest mistakes, especially why you shouldn't produce yourself. Uh, I don't produce myself, and I've been a producer and mixing and you know, doing everything for many, many, many years. I always have a co-producer because you need somebody more objective than you are with your music, okay? But a lot of times, the vocalist and the engineer hear the words when they don't hear the words. They just have heard them so many times that in the mix, they might have the voice too low or too much reverb. Some people want to be really fancy with the reverb. Fine. But there's ways, if you're a good engineer, of still understanding what the words are and still having that effect you want. It's delays and things like that. Okay. But yeah, that's very important. Like you had brought up and the original topic was, believe it or not, was, you know, placing your songs and stuff. Now, also, there's the thing of, and I, I don't know if you meant this or not, but also, let's say you want somebody to cover your song, mm. okay? To cover a song. And what I recommend is you do it in the, style of a person it depends if you have a particular person you want to only show them the songs you know are perfectly perfect for them if you're just opening it up for people to hear it you can have a little more variety of stuff but yeah you want to want to aim it if you have a, a demo singer that can do it in that sound or style of that artist that really helps okay I mean, my voice would never work on any cover, uh, some, wanting to give song to somebody for any cover because I'm all over the place and yeah. I'm an ad liver and I'm, you know, it's just who I am. It's just like with the show, is, as you see, is totally unscripted, folks. <laughs> That's the part I enjoy the most, believe it or not, because it's, it allows us to be us. and, and Yeah, it's you know real I mean? life. Yeah. We haven't written one line of anything. Uh, in the 28 episodes, yeah. it's just, we come up, ah, let's talk about this tonight. Or sometimes we just start talking about, we, we think of talking about one subject and, you, and you'll say, uh, base face will say, hey, how was your day today? And it goes into my clients doing this mm -hmm. and that, and it's all over the place. And, and that's the whole show, you know? But it's life in the music business. You get into situations and we're spelling them out. Now, 
did I go deep enough into the original subject, which I might be off of, of how do you, how do you what was your exact question of getting people like, to hear yeah, you? Yeah, like how to either, like how to play songs, how to, to get, get in the room to be able to place the song with the artist, either um, get the song in the, with the proper singer to pitch to an artist. And I mean, you covered, you covered the stuff that I was trying to cover. Um, and one of the things I can also mention as well is like, there's many different good ways to be able to get in the room with the artist. Cause at the end of the day, you can send emails and, and try to send your beats to the email and reach A&Rs and all this stuff. But there's nothing that's going to be more effective than being in the room with that artist. So multiple, some things like going. Oh, I agree with you. Yeah. And you also bring up a subject. <laughs> this is, I'm going to tell you a true story that sounds unbelievable. This was in the 90s. And I was teaching at the Art Institute of Philadelphia. I taught entertainment law, music publishing, management, all that kinds of stuff. And this guy told me, I told people, you know, don't just send your stuff to record companies. He sent out a ton to every, he had every major, every subsidiary, every single one of them came back. One, it took a year and a quarter. Wow. The reason is, folks, and usually when you get it back, you'll see the word unsolicited. Unsolicited means we didn't ask for this because it's a shame, but it's the truth, folks. You can't just send something to somebody. Uh, you know, just expecting, you know, A&R or to this manager or this. You've got to have, first of all, the people, the major labels especially, and this goes back, God, to the 80s, the 90s. They're not going to listen to an artist. You know, if the artist themselves sends something in. They want to hear it from either a well-known manager, a well-known producer, well-known entertainment lawyer, things like that. They're not going to listen to this stuff. It's called unsolicited. We didn't ask for it. And they give one good reason for it. And the one good reason is somebody could say down the road when they put out a when the label puts out a song, hey, I wrote that song. I sent it to them and they heard it. And, you know, this yeah. way... That's a, that could be a lawsuit right there that can cost them millions. It is a lawsuit made a, right there. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> but I feel that there's many different ways to get into a room with an artist. One of them being uh, working up in a, the studio ranks, like picking a studio that's highly accredited, that is doing the things that you want to be doing, working with the artists you want to be working with, et cetera, et cetera. That's one way to do it. Um, networking itself and just... Oh. out there and and that is that i mean unfortunately nowadays it's it's that, really oh man got stepped on but the the oh, networking yeah. is still possible don't let anybody convince you that it's not because clubhouse and all these different platforms allow for audio chats and, and different different ways of interacting and networking with people that isn't the traditional hand-to-hand interaction so but, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to adapt but it's still possible it's still a shame though that, that there's nothing like face-to-face networking nothing like it i mean i have to use zoom and and which we're using or facebook video or skype or 
Microsoft meeting, Google. I mean, I I think I've been on them all <laughs> doing yeah. in different interview shows and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But yeah, I mean, you're right. Anyway, but see, part of it is being alive and on the move. Like you're going to New York to work, you know, you work at a certain studio in New York that we have to keep nameless because it only works with majors. But the idea is that, you know, but you're meeting people because you have the country. You're not sitting home feeling sorry for yourself. You're going up there. And remember that saying, I give you a lot of times, you know, you know, Making is one third talent, one third luck, one third persistent. But if you're persistent, you have a better chance of being in the right place at the right time, which is making you know, you know it's life. funny too. And the truth is, even sometimes if I do feel like sobbing or whatever the hell and I'm having a bad day, I'm still going out there to New York. Like I'll do it while I'm on the way to like building myself up. I don't just sit there and just be like, oh my God. Uh, the world is ending. Like now, nah, we'll deal with the world is ending while <laughs> the studio that I'm, I, I'm, you know, what I mean, while I'm building. Hey, if it ends, it ends. You can't do anything about it. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> you're like, oh, I feel, I've ha happened to me where I'm like, oh, I don't want to be here right now, but I'm there. You know what I mean? It's, we all go through that. Nothing yeah. is to a person when you get into any kind of negative thought pattern. Two things. One, you got five minutes. Be upset. Be mad. Your five minutes are up. Okay, let's focus on the solution, not the problem kind of a thing. And that's, that's my main one on that. Also, this is very important. And that is everybody. It's just your thoughts, your brain. It's the left side of your brain is a product of your whole life and a lot of negative bull. And sometimes from generation to generation is passed on in your RNA, DNA, or whatever they call that stuff. And it's passed on. And you have these negative thoughts. And they get in the way. They say, like, it could be, for example, you're not good enough for that. You can't do that. No, don't do that. You should be doing this. You know, that kinds of stuff. It's up to you. How do you handle it? I have a way of handling it. But what you want to do is some people believe in the belief of just say, say to your, you know, I said to myself, self, you know, uh, say to your, uh, thank you for your input, but I'm busy right now. Okay. Yeah, it takes uh, a lot, it takes a little bit to train yourself to do that. Believe you have it or to not. catch yourself. Yeah. You have to be able to be aware of it, but um, this actually brings uh, us to a cool part uh, that I was, that I want to bring up is that, a lot of people that are watching this show right now don't even realize that I'm also a student on this show as well. So uh, I've been working with Pooch a little bit longer than uh, than we have uh, been working on the show, but you guys also get to see that my progression throughout this and what is possible with all the knowledge that Pooch has to offer. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. It's just if people say, how do you know all this stuff? Well, I'm older. I've lived it. <laughs> I've experienced it. That's yeah. all. And like I mentioned before, you know, I could teach and I've told my students this. I could teach your ear to forever, but, you know, it can't replace actual experiencing it. And you're experiencing it instead of sitting home feeling sorry for yourself. So it all fits right together. Yes. And folks, I'm still learning. And I learned from base face. I learned from a lot of people because I can't be every. We're in, have every single experience. He has experiences 
that maybe I don't have, you know, for different reasons. You know, uh, I mean, there's the age difference of different people, even though I work with some, God, I work with nine-year-olds. My client, my, within the last year, my clients have been anywhere from nine years old to 73. Oh. <laughs> That's what the great about the industry and technology. Nowadays, you can be any age, any style, any genre, and you could become successful because all you need is that niche, niche. The United States is niche, British it's niche. I think I got that right. Uh, that little group of people that are enough to uh, support you in a weird way. My number usually is like 20,000 people. We've stated this before, 20,000 people. You want 20,000 real fans. You don't need millions. 20,000 real fans who are willing to each spend $100 a year on you, that's $2 million, folks. Yeah, that's it. So yeah. keep that in mind when you're sitting there and you're pouting and you're looking <laughs> at all the things you don't have. Be grateful for what you have because believe me, when you look at the things that you're grateful for, then you, you'll you actually be able to be grateful and not just be sitting here being upset to yourself. Actually, being grateful is actually very good for your brain and your whole system. It's just being, it just makes you feel good because people focus on the bad stuff instead of the good stuff. I mean, I just think, hey, you know, and people don't think of it this way. I mean, I'm lucky I have a nice wife and uh, we're good friends, which helps in this. <laughs> I put that on Facebook the other day, or today, the other day, I remember that, uh, you know, it's really important and the virus makes it even more important that when you're living with somebody, make sure they're not only a love interest, but also your best friend. Because <laughs> if you have to be around them for so many hours every day, you know, and stuff like that, and understand you and you understand them and stuff like that. Very, very important, especially in, in, in this industry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, by the way, I was thinking, uh, you know, the negative thoughts. Yeah, the, the trick of collecting you have to recognize the first step is recognizing the problem if you get a negative thought. My thing is, my usual saying is, look, I'm busy right now, find another victim. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I put on that, get out of here. But sometimes, no, you shouldn't do that. You know, just say, look, I'm busy right now. Maybe we'll discuss this later. <laughs> yeah. I know where to find you. I'll call you if I need you. <laughs> yeah, I'll dig you up again. <laughs> Yep. Oh, uh, I I presume this show is probably yep. reached its limit. How's our time? Yeah, we are over, but it's okay. It's oh, okay. that's fine. Look, uh, we'll, we'll continue this. Uh, so, uh, meanwhile, folks, tune in for the next episode and have a great one. Thanks for watching. Tune in for the next episode.